Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Welcome to our Easter service. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Why is Easter important? I hope that we're learning through this time of being sequestered in our homes and not able to congregate together as a church that there's way more important things to life than what we thought were important. So Easter, we've talked about it every year, and I think we forget. So I hope that we will learn and be reminded together because our life depends on it. There's a lot of things that people say your life depends on, like love, like your life depends on it. Pray, like your life depends on it. And now in the coronavirus season, we have stay home, like your life depends on it. Or wash your hands, like your life depends on it. Social distance, like your life depends on it. In fact, I saw something the other day, made me laugh. I was watching some YouTube. They're like, what are you doing during coronavirus? And then the Bee Gees started saying, staying alive, staying alive. So I thought that was funny because we are learning that one virus can take out a lot of people. But we're also learning how to live within this context, like wearing masks. But today, I want to talk about what's most important. What's most important? Why is Easter important? The answer is your life depends on it. My life depends on it. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, I would not rise either. I want you to hear that again. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, I would not rise either. It would mean that I would still be in the tomb. If Jesus were in the tomb, I would be in the tomb, dead in my sins and transgressions. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. What is Jesus saying? That we will die physically. But in Christ, we will rise if we're in Christ in faith because the believer lives and everything that happened to Jesus happens to us. Jesus died, we died to ourselves. Jesus rose, we rise. And here I'm going to use this phrase throughout the sermon. This is the coolest thing. Think about this. If Jesus is the head of the body of Christ, we are the body, then wouldn't it make sense that where the head goes, the body follows. Think about this. Every time I talk about what happened to Jesus, the head, the body follows him. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. What's the first fruits? The first fruits is the first of the harvest, and it's the best of the harvest. Jesus was the first man because he was a man as well as God, to rise from the dead. And he's the first fruit. But guess what? The harvest of believers will rise with him. And no one or nothing can stop Easter, not even a virus. I found this poem written by a person named Christy Bother, and it's called How the Virus Stole Easter, and it's in the spirit of Dr. Seuss. As I read this, I hope you find it as interesting as I and relevant. Twas late 
and 19, when the virus began, bringing chaos and fear to all people, each land. People were sick, hospitals full, doctors overwhelmed, no one in school. As winter gave way to the promise of spring, the virus raged on, touching peasant and king. People hid in their homes from the enemy unseen. They YouTubed and Zoomed, social distance and clean. April approached and churches were closed. There won't be an Easter, the world supposed. There won't be church services and egg hunts are out. No reason for new dresses when we can't go out. Holy Week started as bleak as the rest. The world was focused on masks and on tests. Easter can't happen this year, proclaimed. Online and at home, it just won't be the same. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, the days came and went. The virus pressed on, it just would not relent. The world woke Sunday and nothing had changed. The virus still menaced, the people estranged. Poo-poo to the saints, the world was grumbling. They're finding out now that no Easter is coming. They're just waking up. We know that just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and then all the saints will cry, boo-hoo. That noise, said the world, will be something to hear. So it paused, and the world put a hand to its ear. And it did hear a sound coming through all the skies. It started down low when it started to rise. But the sound wasn't depressed. Why, this sound was triumphant. It couldn't be so, but it grew with abundance. The world stared around, popping its eyes. Then it shook. What it saw was a shocking surprise. Every saint and every nation, the tall and the small, was celebrating Jesus in spite of it all. It hadn't stopped Easter from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the world, with its life quite stuck in quarantine, stood puzzling and puzzling. Just how can it be? It came without bonnets. It came without bunnies. It came without egg hunts, cantatas, or money. And then the world thought of something it hadn't before. Maybe Easter, it thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Easter, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, the story's not done. What will you do? Will you share with that one or two or more people needing hope in this night? Will you share the source of your life in this fight? The churches are empty, but so is the tomb. And Jesus is victor over death, doom, and gloom. That is the message for this Easter. So, with that in mind, we're going to talk about how we, the body, follow the head. So let's first talk about our Lord in his death. So Christ died. We know this. It's documented. It's historical. And it's scriptural. Christ died. And as many times as he told his disciples he would die, they wouldn't believe him. I mean, can you blame him? I mean, if you were there with Jesus and he kept talking about dying in Jerusalem, wouldn't you just say, please, Jesus, don't talk about that dying stuff. But here's the thing. As Jesus said, unless a grain falls to the ground, it won't produce the harvest. Jesus is the seed that's promised seed that died and was put in the ground and a harvest has come because of his obedience. Now, did Jesus struggle with this? Of course he did. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What's that cup? The cup is the cup of God's wrath on sin, which was placed on his beloved 
innocent, sinless son on our behalf. Now, if Jesus didn't die, the obvious would have happened. Satan would have won, and we would have been doomed. It reminds me of a movie that came out in 1988 called The Last Temptation of Christ. It was directed by Martin Scorsese based on a 1955 novel where Jesus is on the cross. Up to that point, he's going to die. And then some girl shows up and says, God doesn't want you on the cross, Jesus. He wants you to be happy. Come down from the cross and live a good life. And so that movie tells a false story that Jesus came down from the cross, married Mary Magdalene, had kids, and was happy. Now, what effect would that life have on me and on you? Nothing. The only effect that it had was that Jesus died on the cross in my place to take God's wrath upon him so that I could be set free from death and sin. If Jesus didn't die, he wouldn't rise and I wouldn't rise. I'd still be dead. So Christ died, therefore in Christ, and that's important, in Christ, I also died. All these statements about what happened to us only happen in Christ. How does someone become in Christ? How does someone become in the body of Christ? They believe in Jesus Christ, the head of the body, and they place their faith in them. So that's how you're in Christ. When Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. He's speaking of an event that happened not only in Jesus' life, but in his life. It's a past tense, passive verb. It was something that happened to him. I have been crucified. He didn't say, I crucified myself. I've been crucified with Christ. So what did Paul mean by that? Well, one thing is that when you place your faith in Christ, you die to yourself. You no longer live for yourself. You live for him. All decisions that you make come from a place of death. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And as Jesus died willingly, I die willingly. Secondly, when you place your faith in Christ, the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of promise. You become one with Christ. It's called the union with Christ. Therefore, everything that happened to him, including death, happens to you. That's why on Romans 6, 6, Paul writes, our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So this human body, although it will die, will one day rise from the dead as Christ did. Because remember, where the head goes, the body follows. Secondly, Christ rose. Thank God. I mean, if it ended a good Friday, it wouldn't be a good Friday. The reason it's a good Friday is because Sunday came. If Martin Scorsese in his movie had his way, Jesus would have never died and then would have been happy and lived a life, a normal life, but that would have no eternal effect on us. The physical resurrection has been a key tenet of biblical Christianity, and anyone who denied the resurrection was labeled a heretic. In fact, Romans 10.9, read it with me. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how are you saved? Is it enough to just believe that Jesus died? No. Can someone be saved and not believe in the resurrection? No. That's why Paul writes, Christ died in Corinthians 15 for our sins in accordance with Scripture, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. So why is Paul making that point? He's talking about the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus' resurrection. Now, we can find places in the Old Testament where he talks about his death. It talks about him going to Jerusalem on a donkey and being born in Bethlehem, all those places. But where in the Bible does it talk about the resurrection? Well, the first place is in Psalm 16. And it's interesting because Peter, in his first sermon on Pentecost, quoted from that. And that Psalm says, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. David is writing of the future Messiah, Jesus, who would not undergo decay. His body would rise. The main text is in Isaiah 53, and we talked about this last week. Remember, Isaiah writes of a servant who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who would do the will of the Lord. And this servant takes upon himself the sin of the world. He suffers, he dies. But because the Lord is pleased with his servant's sacrifice, the Lord, and quote from Isaiah, prolongs his days and gives him authority. Another Old Testament passage is Jonah. And Jesus referred to this. In Jonah 1.17, what happens? Jonah is swallowed by a big fish, and he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And Jesus quotes from Jonah to validate his resurrection and his ministry. And he says in Matthew, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus quoted from Jonah, and some people go, oh, you really believe that Jonah got swallowed by a great fish? Yeah, Jesus did. So if we're going to question his authority, we shouldn't question what he's quoting from as authority. It's not a myth. Thing really happened. So Christ rose, therefore in Christ, I will rise. If Jesus didn't rise, these things would not have happened. I would have not come alive in Christ. I would have not received the Holy Spirit and become born again or born from above and regenerated and the power of God come into my life. I would not be justified. I would still be guilty because justified means not guilty. I would be guilty if it weren't for Jesus. In Romans 4.25, he says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And then also, I would not receive my new resurrected and glorified body Because in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Now, let me make sure you understand this. Jesus rose physically. We will rise physically. We will be with the Lord in heaven. And one day this body will rise with him, to be with him. Paul speaks of this future event in 1 Thessalonians when he says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's speaking of the time when... Jesus comes back to take his church with him. The head will take the body to be with him in heaven. And that is what he's referring to. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, on a side note, all people will rise. Those who are in Christ will rise to eternal life. Those who are outside of Christ will rise to eternal death and condemnation. So why is Easter important? Your life depends on it. Next. Now, we're just following the historical story of Jesus. So he died, he rose, and what's next? Can anyone guess? Christ ascended. He ascended to heaven. Heaven is the place where God rules. He rules from heaven. And if Jesus did not ascend to heaven, 
He could not rule. He could not take his seat of authority next to the Father. And he wouldn't be our source of salvation. So that's why even in the Apostles' Creed, as you might grow up, it was included on the third day, he rose and ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So where is Jesus currently? He's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. In Luke, it tells us of the ascension. While Jesus was blessing them, the disciples, after he rose, he said he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Listen, that's why we need to be continually praising God, because without the resurrection and then the ascension, God would not be ruling. Jesus would not be ruling as the head of the church. Jesus had to die in order to rise. He had to rise in order to ascend. If he didn't ascend, he couldn't take a seat of authority and could not be our high priest and king. Christ ascended, therefore in Christ, I will ascend. To where did Christ ascend? Just like into space? No, into heaven. Heaven is a place. It's a real place. Hell is a place too. Jesus was very specific about heaven being a place. I hear people say, oh, you know, heaven is somewhere up in space. Or, you know, heaven is where you are because God dwells. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't say that. In John 14, when he's teaching his disciples, he says, and if I go and prepare a place, that Greek word, guess what it means? Place. It's topos, which we get our English word topography. So Jesus wasn't saying, I'd go and prepare someplace in space or on a cloud or, you know, he said, there's a place. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is in heaven with a physical body, okay? That's important to understand. He ascended physically. He's in a physical place. That's why after he rose from the dead, he said to Thomas, what do you say? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at the wound in my side. Think about this. Jesus rose from the dead, not as a spirit, physically, in a body, but that body was able to walk through walls. That body was able to appear out of nowhere. That body was able to eat and enjoy things. That body was able to speak and be recognized. Where the head goes, the body follows. We will have a similar body when Jesus comes to take us home. Now, what is Jesus doing there? He is seated. Christ is seated. What is he just sitting there doing nothing? First of all, what does that mean, Christ is seated? Well, where is he seated? It depends. Like, if I'm just seated, some on our couch, it doesn't matter. But where is he seated? Hebrews 10, 12. Read it with me. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down where? At the right hand of God. What does that mean? That means he has ultimate authority and the most important human being ever. God gave Jesus ultimate authority over all things. And that's where he is. In Psalm 110, which is a messianic psalm, David writes, The Lord says to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is a very important Old Testament verse. Because first, look at what David writes. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, that means Yahweh, God, says to my Lord, who's that? He's speaking of the Son of God, Jesus. And David had ultimate authority as king of Israel, but he's still saying there's someone higher than me. That's Jesus Christ. The Lord says to my Lord, what? Sit at my right hand, which means ultimate authority, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That is the second coming. Because right now, here's what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, it says Satan was defeated. Why was he defeated? Well, he was defeated because Jesus rose from the dead and all the people that are in Christ rise. So the power of death was no longer over those who are in Christ. Because that's really the power that Satan had was death. He doesn't have that anymore. But he still has power to do weird things. You look around the world and all these weird things happening. You know, uh, he has to ask permission and God uses those things. But there will come a time when the Bible says Satan will be thrown forever into the lake of fire and we'll never have to worry about him anymore. Which is great because here's the thing. I know you don't know this. We've been trying this out and I think it's working good today. Hallelujah. The technology, we're figuring it out. But every Saturday, we come in and check it and it works great. And then on Sunday, we get here and something doesn't work. We're trying to figure it out. And I know that the enemy would love to stop this message from getting out to you. But he's a loser. Jesus is the victor. He won the victory at the cross and the resurrection. He's seated at the ultimate seat in heaven. And he's coming again. He's our priest in verse 4 of Psalm 110. The Lord has sworn and will not make change his mind. You, Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's Jesus Christ. He's our king, but he's also our priest. He's the one that is praying for us and advocating for us and acting on our behalf in heaven. And that's why sometimes when you don't know what to pray, you say, Lord Jesus, please pray for me. Because he's our high priest. If Christ didn't die and he didn't rise and he didn't ascend, that would not be the case. We would be all alone down here. Christ is seated. Therefore, in Christ, I am seated with him. Now, let's not become pompous and go, oh, I'm seated at the right hand of God. No, only Jesus sits there. But Paul writes in Ephesians something incredible. Ephesians 2.6. He says, and God raised us up with Christ in the past tense and seated us in Christ in the past tense with him in the heavenly place or realm in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're already there. How are we there? If you're a believer, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is a mark of God's ownership and a guarantee and a pledge of a future resurrection and redemption in Christ. We have a physical body that holds us back. But in Christ, we're already there. Until Jesus ascended, the Spirit could not be sent. But the Spirit was sent. Raise your hand if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today. You've been saved from death and you've received the peace of God as a guarantee in your heart that you're already there. God always keeps his promise. He never lies. 
So if God says it, I believe it. We are living in kind of a timeless thing. We live in time, but we're outside of time. We live in this body, but we're outside of our body. It's the weirdest thing. But that's the promise. That's what we have to believe. No matter what's going on in this world, one day we will be with Jesus and see him face to face. And what a day that'll be. And here's the best part. Christ will come again. Christ is coming again. It says Acts 1.11. It says, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go. That means that he's coming back the same way he left. When I, I run, I've been running around my neighborhood a lot, you know, and because um, I, I like to run and stay active. And I was thinking the other day, I was running. When I run in my neighborhood, it's hard to complete the mileage that I want to do without backtracking. You get to a certain mileage and then you come back the same way. But in my case, nobody's waiting for me going, hey, you're back. Now, Jesus went up to heaven. He's seated there and he's coming back. But we, and even if it's been 2,000 years, but remember, God said to the Lord, a day's like a thousand years. So maybe he's coming back this year. You know, who knows? God knows. But what's important is God says to look up. Your redemption draws near. Don't look in the tomb. Don't even look on the cross because Jesus isn't there. Look up. Sunday is the resurrection day. And that's what we worship. Remember, God said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. At an appointed time, Jesus is coming back. Only God knows that time. And what's Jesus going to do? He's going to kick some butt. Okay? Yeah, I said it because it's true. Here's the thing. He's given people a chance, a second chance, a third chance. And he's given the gospel, the good news. We preach the gospel. And one day it says he's going to write the gospel in the air for everyone to see. And I'm telling you right now, if you haven't been seeking the Lord right now, something's wrong with you. God has allowed this to get our attention. He's going to come back and he's going to judge the world. He's going to judge the people that are outside Christ, that are not part of the body by faith. That person, sadly, will have to stand before God and give reasons why God should let him into heaven. And it doesn't matter how many reasons you give. There's only one right answer. You know what it is? I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. That's the answer. It's a quiz. I'm giving you the answer ahead of time. Okay, but you have to mean it. You got to just say it. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Christ is coming again. Therefore, in Christ, I will come with him. We're living in the church age right now. The church age is the age of grace. God's giving everyone a chance. But one day, Jesus is going to come and rapture the body to be with him where the head is. And then there will be a seven-year period, because if you think this time's bad, this great tribulation, Jesus says, is going to be like no time ever. It's going to be really bad. You don't want to be here when that's happening. You want to be in Christ with him. Then he'll come back, and he'll reign with the church, the body, 
for a thousand years. And then there will be a second resurrection where the people outside of Christ will be judged at the great white throne judgment. Satan is destroyed. There's a new heaven and new earth and the eternal kingdom of God will reign. And the Bible says that we will reign with him. This is how it's explained in the Bible of how this happens. John the Apostle is writing in Revelation. And he says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Who is that? Now, I think it includes both angels and the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Why? Because that's how the body of Christ is referred to. Many believers are dressed in fine linen, white and clean. We will be with him and then we'll come with him. Now, we won't fight. Armageddon will happen and boom, God wins. Satan loses. Jesus hands the kingdom back over to his father. And all Christ's enemies will come to judgment, including all viruses and sickness will be gone. That is the hope we have in Christ. So the question then is obvious. Which side are you on? Are you in Christ? Therefore, like him in every way, which means you've died yourself. You've risen with him. You will ascend with him. You're seated with him. And you'll come back with him. That's all by faith. It's not by works, by faith. Or are you outside of Christ and therefore unlike him, which means you're still dead in your sins and in the tomb? Don't be that person. Don't let this Easter go by. Don't miss Easter. Don't miss the resurrection. God wants you to come to faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you can be saved. He died, I die. He rose, I will rise. He ascended, I will ascend. He is seated, I am seated. He will come again, I will come with Him. Easter is important because your life depends on it. So let's pray. And I want to give you a chance this Easter to accept the forgiveness of God through faith in Christ Jesus, the one who paid for your sins. And you can bow your head and you pray in your heart. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. And thank you that you are seated in the highest place of authority. And I want you to be the authority of my life. I want you to come into my life. Please give me your spirit. Make me new. Make me born again by your spirit. And I trust you, Lord Jesus. And for those of us who either have just prayed that prayer or been walking with the Lord for a long time, we know this is a time like no other. God allowed it. Nothing slips through his hands. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think that a virus would show up. But he's using it. He's using it in my life. He's using it in your life. And what I hope we understand is that when we get through this, let's not go back to normal. Let's go back to what God wants to do in our life to the next level so that 
thousands and more thousands of people can come into the kingdom of God and be raised and seated with him before Jesus comes back because the time is short. Thank you, Lord, for your love and grace. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be his voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-